Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie, it's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, this is pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I don't feel like we played as well as we should have. It can't just be Isaiah. It has to be the other guys making plays and shots. You are locked on fantasy basketball. Your daily podcast on fantasy basketball. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Fantrax and Basketball Monster. And today's Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast is brought to you by Athletes Collective, high-performance sportswear with no logos. Go to Athletes Collective and use the promo code FANTASY for 15% off your first order. My name is Josh Lloyd and you can find me on Twitter at RedRock underscore Beeble. That's where you can always find me on Twitter. I'm always there. Go ahead and follow me and ask any questions you uh, you may have over at that Twitter handle. We have got uh, NBA action to talk about. As usual, we're going to be breaking down Monday's games. We're going to be previewing Tuesday's five-game slate. So let's get to it. To it. As usual, as I said, lots and lots to talk about. So we'll get straight stuck. Try that again. Stuck straight into it. You know what I mean. The monstrous line of the night. This bloke's got it a couple of times this season already. Chrissy Paul. 21 points for Paul, four triples, four rebounds, nine assists, five steals. He was eight of 11 from the field. He was one of one from the free throw line. The game was over at quarter time. And I mentioned this on yesterday's DFS portion that I did really like Chris Paul. Uh, I did like Blake Griffin against the Nets, but there was a, a chance that they wouldn't have to play a full game because they'd smash them. But I still thought that they could put up huge stats in the limited time that they played. And that's basically exactly what ended up happening. Um, Paul has been an absolute monster this season. He's putting up numbers at a a crazy rate. He comes in ranked inside the top five this season. He's playing less than 30 a game and averaging 19, five and a half and eight and a half. And he's also throwing in two and a half threes and three steals at 49 and 90%, 91%, sorry, and hitting 47% from three. Now the three point shooting is probably not going to continue at this rate. The steals probably aren't going to continue at three a game, but he's got scope to improve his assist still. Paul is putting up some ridiculous numbers. He has been a guy that's that's gotten injured over the past couple of seasons, so maybe if you can somehow swing a Harden, maybe even a Giannis, uh, a Durant even, in a trade, you, you, you would have to consider it. But otherwise, at this point... I think you just have to be happy that, that you drafted Chris Paul where you did, which was most likely at the very end of the first round. And in some situations, maybe even into the start of the second round, which is something I did hear happen in certain leagues. Chris Paul is putting up great numbers. He continues to just operate at this consistently high level every single season. His last three seasons, he's averaged 19 and 10. And this season, he's at 19 and 8.5. And you, you know what you're going to get. You're going to get 19 and 10. And you're going to get two steals. And he's doing a little bit over that at the moment. And the minutes, again, the minutes keep dropping. But his production keeps staying exactly the same, which is uh, which is pretty straight. It was pretty weird stuff, to be honest. 
that he keeps just churning out the same numbers in less playing time. And his per 36 fantasy ranks have been ridiculous as well. Back 2010-11, he was 7th. Then he went 3rd, 2nd, 3rd, 4th, 4th, and he's currently the number one player in per 36 fantasy ranks. He's just been absolutely amazing, and I know that if you own Chris Paul, you can uh, you can echo those sentiments. He's putting up numbers. The Steels are, are basically winning you that category with some of the big numbers he's having there, and really very, very little to complain about if you own Chris Paul. Very little to complain about if you're a Clippers fan as well, because they are putting up some uh, ridiculous smashings at the moment. I'm going to talk to you now about the sponsor of today's podcast, first-time sponsor. So as I always do with all the sponsors that come on first time, go and, go and check these guys out, and that is Athletes Collective. Athletes Collective is a sportswear company, so we're talking about things like shorts, singlets, T-shirts, long-sleeve T-shirts, stuff that you work out in. It's premium athletic gear, but it's cheap because you know why? It doesn't have a logo on it. It doesn't have the three Adidas stripes on it. It doesn't have the, the Nike swoosh. It doesn't have the Under Armour whatever that thing is, the two horseshoes. I know they're U's, U and an A. It doesn't have that on it. This is premium athletic gear that's affordable because it doesn't have logos and because they don't go out and spend the money on big television advertising campaigns. They spend it on podcast advertising and they can keep, you know, they pay me less than they pay a TV station, unfortunately, but that's the way it goes. <laughs> they, they do that, but then they pass those savings on to you. It's 40 to 50% less than the other major brands, but the same sort of high-quality um, product, technical fabrics. And we're not talking about cotton tops here. We're talking about tops that keep you dry, tops that keep you cool, wicking away sweat, all that sort of stuff. The other advantage of Athletes Collective Clothing is it's all pre-shrunk. So you can wash it and dry it as many times as you want, and it will just remain the same shape. It's not You don't have to order, oh, I'm going to order one size bigger so that when I wash it and dry it, it gets smaller and that sort of stuff. No, this is just, it is what it is. It's pre-trunk. It, uh, it doesn't change. Across the US and Canada, free shipping on Athletes Collective. So that's another bonus. 100% satisfaction guarantee. And of course, we've got a promo code. And that promo code is fantasy. You know how to spell fantasy. To use that promo code, go to athletescollective.com. Go there, use your promo code FANTASY, and at checkout, you receive 15% off your first order, and I guarantee you won't be disappointed. The stuff that I've received from Athletes Collective is brilliant. You know, wore it to the gym myself, comfortable, does its job, exactly, exactly the same stuff that you would pay you know, exorbitant prices for in, in a store because it's got a logo on. Athletes Collective delivers it to you and, and does it brilliantly at a cheaper price. So go and check them out. They're a sponsor. They're supporting this show, so you support them. Go to athletescollective.com. Check out the stuff. I'm sure you're going to find something you like. Use the promo code FANTASY at the checkout and get 15% off your first order. The waiver wire line in the night. Um, down waiters. That's, it's a huge line. 27 points for waiters. Three triples, two rebounds, three assists, two steals, three blocks. Lots of threes and lots of twos there. The, probably the most jarring statistic, I guess, is the fact that Dion Waiters took 26 shots and didn't go to the foul line once. Now, he hit 12 of those 26 shots. It just feels extremely fluky, that sort of a performance from Waiters. Yes, there was no Goran Dragic, but the last time that Dragic was out, Waiters didn't even get to 20 minutes. This was a huge night from him. The next highest Heat player in shots was Justice Winslow at 12, Hassan Whiteside at 11, and Waiters took 26. The defensive stats are great, two steals and three blocks. How much can you rely upon that? The answer is you can't. So, as per usual, when 
when weird shit like that goes down, you, you'll get a question, you'll get a Twitter question, Dion Waiters, do I add him? And the answer is almost inevitably going to be no. He's playing 32 minutes a game this season, 32, and he's barely inside the top 200. He's ranked 197th, averaging 11.5 points, 3 rebounds, 3.5 assists, a steal, 0.8 blocks, and 1.2 triples on 36% shooting. But when Dragic comes back, he is going to be the guy that loses minutes. It's going to be him. It's going to be Dragic, Tyler Johnson, and Josh Richardson, with Waiters as the fourth guy. So his value is going to be restricted to, maybe, honestly, maybe not even 14-team leagues. Maybe he's a 16-team league guy. This was a great performance, but I don't have any faith for Dion Waiters moving forward. The other thing is, he's a shithouse free-throw shooter. Only at 52% this season. He was 71 last year, 68 the year before, 68 the year before. He's not a good free-throw shooter. He'll be better than what he is now, but he's not... He's not a good shooter. He's not a good player, let's be honest. And he's not going to sustain this level of playing time, these 32 minutes that he had in this game, when Dragic returns. So, yep, great performance if for some reason you happen to have waders and your league wasn't extremely deep. But don't rush and drop someone with uh, with long-term value because Dion Waiters put up a, uh, a marginal once-in-a-lifetime sort of performance. I'm going to be interested to hear what the... Uh, the <clears throat> Oh, that wasn't good. I'm going to be interested to hear what the guys on Locked on Heat, Wes Goldberg and David Ramil, have got to say about Dion. I, I assume they'll echo my sentiments that Waiters is going to go back to losing some of those minutes on the bench uh, when Dragic returns and they run with the Dragic, Johnson and Joshy Richardson uh, three-way backcourt, I guess. And they'll play some of those guys at the three, but I can't envisage any way that Waiters continues to play 31 and a half minutes, which is what he's currently doing. But Wes and David will break all that down in their latest episode of Locked On Heat as part of the Locked On Podcast Network, the fastest growing podcast network in the world. The young gun. Chris Stapps. Percentages. Again, he's, he's very good. 24 and 11 for Pozingas. Two threes, one assist, one block. Perfect six of six from the line. He went eight of 16 from the field. And he continues just to be a very, very good player. And we'll talk about the Knicks a fair bit later. But there's a, there's a lot to talk about with him. He After that... Ridiculous game where he took just four shots. The numbers are improving. He's pushing himself back into that top 30 discussion. He's at 19 and 7, and he's hitting two threes a game. He's at one and a half blocks, and he's got room to actually improve his rebounding and to improve his block numbers. He's shooting a ridiculous 48% from the field, and I say ridiculous because he was at 42 last season, and he's at just a smidge under 40% from three when he was at 33%, and we did anticipate he would get better from three and from the field, but not to this level. He looks... Um, a completely different guy. You know, actually, that's not true. He looks he looks more confident, and you have more confidence in him, probably because there's a better coach involved as well. Their Hornacek has some uh, has some weird intricacies as well with some of the things that he does. But at least we're getting big big doses of Porzingis, and he's putting up the numbers, and he is the best player on this team. I, I I continue to state that he is the best player on this team, and he's going to be the best player on this team for a long time. And as I said, ad nauseum in the preseason, he is a center. He is not a power forward, and the Knicks went to that, playing Mallow at the four and Porzingis at the five, and lo and behold, they turned the tables on the Mavs and absolutely smoked them when they went with that lineup. And people go, oh, it's a small lineup. Not the dude's seven foot three. Like he, he's playing center, he fits as a center. Mallow is not a he's not a massive dude. He's not he's not weak. He's not small. He's got a big ass. He's a strong guy that can play power forward now that he's thirty plus. 
That is Mallow's position, and that is what the Knicks should continue to do. Now, Hornacek isn't going to continue to do that. He'll mix it in a little bit, but he is going to go back to the Joakim Noah starting lineup. But given how how bad that Joakim Noah contract kind of looks, that is, that is disgusting. Given how the difference between how these two lineups looked, I don't believe that Noah is going to be able to keep this. Maybe he'll keep the role, but their, their number one lineup, I guess, will be pausing us at the five and Mallow at the four moving forward. It just might take them a couple of weeks to realize that's the way that they um that they have to go about it. But another big night from Chris Stapps, and he's, uh, he's a real chance to finish as a top 25 player this year. The dart of the night will stick with New York, and it is Chris Stapps pausing us as teammate Derek Rose, who put up three points. He had four rebounds, he had five assists, and he went one of six from the field. He went one of two from the line, and I'm sure you'll all be shocked, but he didn't register a three or he didn't register a steal. And for all the talk, D-Rose back. Super team. He's back. He's back to MVP form. Well, he's not. He's averaging less points per game than last season. He's averaging 0.3 triples a game as opposed to 0.7. And he's shooting the three at 25%. He's at 4.8 assists per game, which is terrible for a starting point guard. 4.7 last season, so same numbers. 0.6 steals, down from 0.7. Worse than last year. The only thing that's really improved is his field goal percentage has gone from 42.7 to 44. His free throws have gone from 79 to 83. And his rebounds have jumped from 3.4 to 4.2. Everything else, not as good from Derrick Rose. So the D-Rose back brigade, not happening. Not back. Now, do you still have to own Derrick Rose? I believe you still do. This game is somewhat of an anomaly with him getting just three points, and he'll be better than this, but getting... 15, 16 points and 5 assists is probably where it's at for him. No steals, no threes, poor percentages, terrible three-pointers. Um, that's just who he's going to be. And this is, and that's he, he was once my favorite player. There's been a lot of water going under the bridge since then, and he's, uh, he's very far from being in that camp at the moment. But it is sad to see what injuries can do it, do it to a career. But some of the sympathy I have for Rose uh, evaporates with some of the stupid shit that he says, and that gets on my nerves. But anyway, I think deep down he's a he's a good-natured bloke who has some uh, who has some IQ issues. We'll put it that way. As for fantasy, though, you just keep holding him, and maybe in a, in an eight-team league, yeah, I can see definitely not holding on to Rose. There's no point in a ten-team or twelve-team league. I reckon you, you stick with him. Uh, no one's taking that role off him. I don't think Brandon Jennings is. He hasn't done anything to show me that he is as good or even better or better than Rose at this point. And the Knicks are just in a in a pretty shit situation where that's your uh, that's your super team point guard lineup. It's just not uh, it's not a good spot for them. Unfortunately for for Knicks fans, which I know there are quite a few of them that listen to this podcast. Um, we're going to get into these games in a uh, in a second. Just uh, have a look and, and talk about them in a bit more detail. Just my computer was. Not ideal, but there it is. It is back, and we are back in business. So, let's take a look at the games and break them down. There were eight games on uh, on Monday. The first one was... Look, if you watched this first game, I apologize for a start. If this is your first game of NBA basketball ever, sorry. The Orlando Magic and the Indiana Pacers. Actually, it's a good segue. You probably could see... Maybe I'll bring it back up on the screen for you guys on YouTube. The t-shirt I'm wearing just arrived today. My uh, Evan Fournier Don't Google t-shirt. I'll hold it up for you guys. That was great audio, but for the people in the video, you get to see my Evan Fournier t-shirt, which you can buy over at tpublic.com slash user slash redrock underscore b-ball. Got a Giannis one up there, a Jim Harden, DeMar DeRozan, 
and Jim Butler, I think, are the last four that have gone up there. I own a Justice Winslow, so you can check those ones out, plus the Evan Fournier one that I am currently wearing. Back to the Orlando Magic. I thought they were bad when they scored 74 points the other day. Oh, they were worse. They scored 69 points in a game of four quarters. Four quarters of basketball, they scored 69 points. Frank Vogel returning to Indiana, the team that fired him, and they're not going that well themselves. It's just an absolute nightmare. And as I say plenty of times, it's suck it. Suck shit, Orlando front office. You've made so many bad decisions that you deserve to have a bad team, and your fans deserve nothing but the best because they're great and the team's great, but the management is terrible. The Aaron Gordon to the bench thing is ridiculous. You're playing Damian Rudez at the four, not Aaron Gordon. Why is Damian Rudez A, in the league, B, getting minutes in a non-garbage time situation? Rudez is a bad, bad player. He shouldn't be on a team. He shouldn't be getting minutes at Aaron Gordon's preferred position. Gordon at the three does not work. Jeff Green at the three does not work. Three points for Jeff Green in his 22 minutes with two rebounds. Another highlighting example that when someone gets announced as a starter, you don't automatically give a shit about it because you shouldn't give any, you shouldn't give one shit, you shouldn't give two shits about Jeff Green because he does nothing. No point to him except if you're talking 16 teams. Gordon, he produced okay, 11 points, three boards, and, and, a, and a triple in 22 minutes, but we know he can do better. He is playing out of position. It is ridiculous. They are going to trade him. They are going to stuff this up like they've done with Victor Oladipo, although he's struggling a lot, like they've done with Toby Harris, who was doing the absolute opposite of struggling. They're going to stuff it up. And I feel I feel sorry for, for Aaron. Evan Fournier, 14 points, bad shooting night, two rebounds, two assists. And Lord Alfred Payton, probably the only guy that you can say has been a positive for them this season, improving his game significantly. 12-7-2 with two steals for, for Payton. He's only owned in 70% of leagues, Lord Alfred. He needs to be owned. Nick Vucevic is getting killed. 25 minutes for Vooch, 1 of 10 for 2 points and 12 rebounds, 1 block. That's what happens again when you destabilize your, your team's best player, which is what Vucevic was, your team's best offensive player, and you destabilize him by bringing in plenty of guys that play his position, reducing his role, and your defense sucks and your offense sucks. Vucevic owners just need to hold, and, and, it, and it can get better. But there is no way that he gets back to being a top 30 guy, which is what he was yeah, consistently before this sort of level of idiotcy arrived. Bismarck played 21 minutes, and this was a, a really good game if you happen to own Biombo. Nine points, nine boards, and three blocks on four of four shooting. But he's not for everyone. He's not for every team in a 12-team league. He's for some people. He's more a 14-team league guy, I believe. Serge Barker had a career high against the Thunder, and then he shit himself. Six points. 13 boards, and he went 3 of 13 from the field. No blocks. This is the Serge Ibaka we've come to know and love this season, apart from one game where he decides to try against his former team, and then the rest is just lethargic crap that he's putting out. And it's tough. It's tough to own these guys. But I'm holding Gordon. I'm holding Ibaka. I don't own him anywhere, but I would hold him. And Lord Alfred Payton, I'll grab him if he's around. And Jeff Green, please. It's depressing. And I apologize, Magic fans, I want the best for you guys. I want you guys to be good. You're exciting. You had a lot of exciting young talent. But this front office is is brutal. And I would, get, I would guess that the front office you know, did these things. We need to get to the playoffs. 
we need to get to the playoffs for the fans. But I would guess that the fans were like, well, what are you dickheads doing? Yes, we want to be successful, but this is not how you go about it. Actually, actually do it the right way. We, we would rather develop these young guys, maybe an extra season, than go for cheap fixes on a 37-year-old um, big man who hasn't been good in three years like Sergio Barker, who now we're going to have to pay the max to or just lose out completely. Sorry for the Orlando Magic rant. Onto the paces, well, they're just as stuffed, to be honest, with a lot of their decision-making. Let's move Monte Ellis to the bench so we can have him run the second unit and put CJ Miles in the starting line. Yeah, that's great. Yep, worked well. Oh, Paul George is injured at Monte. You come back in. Uh, and then we'll announce that yeah, that's what we'll keep going with that. We'll put Monte back to the bench. Oh, sorry, no, neck minute. Let's change it up again and put Monte back in the starting lineup. Like, work it out. I think they will. And Monte was better than what he had been earlier in the season, but he thrived more in that second unit role. 13-2-2 two two for Alice, and you keep holding. CJ Miles continues to play at a ridiculously high level. 16 points, but four triples, two blocks, two steals is fantastic. We know the CJ Miles. You have to own him now. I believe he's a must-own player. I also don't believe he has long-term must-own ability. He will drop off. His shooting will drop off. He will get injured. His form will get choppy. Rod Stuckey will come back and take some of his playing time. All this stuff seems like a guarantee with CJ. A pretty decent uh, Jeff Teague night. And some weird numbers for the Magic. Or not Magic, for the Pacers. Miles had two blocks and Jeff Teague had three. Yeah, that's not likely to happen. Jeffy Teague had 11 Eight and five in this one. Thad Young, 11 and five with two steals. Decent numbers. He's a back-end guy. And Paulie George, the shot not happening. Normally, he waits till December for his shot to fall to shit, but it's happening in November now. Five of 16 for Paul George, 13, six and five with two steals. Normally, at this time of year, you're looking at Paul George going, well, the only way I can go is down. At this point, you're looking at it and go, well, shit, he can only get better from here. Maybe that's a good sign. Or, or does he actually look and go, okay, I peaked in the Olympics. And now this is the, the beginning of the, the downward, downward slide. The backup center position. Al Jefferson's done. He is not an NBA-level player. He played five minutes, and Frank Vogel and Nate McMillan realizes it. Hopefully it sticks, because Kevin Serafin was the better player, and he's been the better player for a lot of these games. Five minutes for Jefferson with one board. Serafin hustles on both ends. He plays defense. He can move. Yeah, Jefferson, Jefferson can't move. He looks like a rock in a uniform. Serafin had six points, 10 rebounds, one steal, one block. Also, shout out to Kevin Serafin for being the first NBA player to follow me. That's why you're, 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 always, you're one of the first members of the My Boys Club. But not only that, I believe that he can play from back in his time when he was with the, with the Wizards. When he got an opportunity, he could play. He is going to be a name to watch for everybody. And deeper leagues, he will take this job off Jefferson. I've got no doubt about that. And then in deeper leagues, a backup center playing 17 to 18 minutes. Who can block some shots and who can grab some boards? And that can be useful. So Kevin Serafin's the name that you need to start looking at. Miles Turner, struggling. And 9 and 7 in 24 minutes for Turner. Had three fouls, but it wasn't an overall issue. And he has definitely been uh, dropping off. Uh, defensive issues have been... Been, been a concern for him. He will get better than this. This is a nice buy-low opportunity. And yeah, some people you know, tweeting at me, I think Miles Turner's trending down. Do I, should I trade him away? A, it's the worst time to trade someone away when they're trending down. If you think that someone's trending down, you don't trade them away. Because likely, if you think they're trending down, the other person will think they're trending down, and they will give you less value back. When someone's trending down, that's when you should be looking to go, Oh, Miles Turner's had a couple of bad games. I wonder how his owner's feeling. His owner probably expected exactly what he did in the first game to happen every other game, and he's a little bit disappointed. 
maybe I should go after him and go after him hard and get value out of it. You shouldn't be looking at a guy and saying, oh, he's trending down, better trade him away so I can get 50 cents back on the dollar. Uh, as good as Kevin Serafin is, he's not taking Miles Turner's role. Now, Al Jefferson, there's zero chance of that happening. Turner will, will get better from here. The Oklahoma City Thunder and the Detroit Pearsons, are the Thunder bad or are they good? I think they're bad. Um, they put up some good numbers to start the season. A lot of it was papered over against some pretty piss-poor opposition, but they are they are not good at the moment. Russell Westbrook's putting up numbers, but is he actually playing well? That's debatable, I guess. 33, 15, and 8, but no threes, no steals, no blocks. Great percentages from Russ, too. 11 of 21 from the field and 11 from 12 from the free throw line. He's doing everything possible. And the thing that's, I guess, it's frustrating from a Westbrook point of view is that in the preseason, Billy Donovan made a song and dance about, no, Russ is not going to go out there and play the same way that he did when Kevin Durant was injured. We're not going to have him running at uh, yeah, just using every possession available. Next minute, he's getting 40-plus percent usage. And that's not sustainable for good winning basketball. That's Russ is putting up stats, but it's not helping anybody else on the team, and it's not helping the team win. So I think something will have to change there. We'll see if it does, but something has to change. It's really affecting Victor Oladipo, who's been terrible. Now, he got a shitload of shots, 17 of them, but he hit four. He looks disinterested. He looks like, what am I doing in this situation, playing next to Russell Westbrook? Um... And it's affecting what he does ball distributing-wise and defensively. Now, he did have a block here, but he's not getting the four assists that he normally gets. You know, the one and a half to two steals, the almost one block a game. He's well off that, and his shot is nowhere near falling. He will get better. He he would definitely get better than this. So this is, this is Victor Oladipo trending right down. But acquire him for nobody. Danny Green. Dion Waiters. Um, Ish Smith. Throw anybody out there. Throw an, an Ish Smith Dion Waiters combo. Throw an Ish Smith Tim Frazier combo. His owner will be frustrated because they would have taken him early. I took him early. I took him in the second round in some drafts. He's been terrible, terribly disinterested, and it needs to change. Ennis Cantor only played 17 minutes, but had 10 points, three rebounds, and a block. Pretty decent performance there. People do get hung up on the minutes. Oh, he's getting less minutes than last season. Yes, but how's the production? It's not bad. It's not great. And there was scope for him to be better this season, but Billy Donovan doesn't want to use him at the four next to Steve Adams, and he's going to be limited in certain matchups. The Thunder made a change to their starting lineup in the second half. They went away from DeMontis Sabonis, and they started Jeremy Grant. Now, Jeremy Grant's been absolutely shitful since he arrived in Oklahoma City, but he turned in a decent performance here, fueled by five of eight shooting, which is something that he can't do, but he did it here. 11 points, five boards, and two steals, two blocks. We know he's a guy that gets blocks. He can get defensive stuff, so the inevitable questions will come. Do I add Jeremy Grant? I don't believe that he is a must-add 12-team league guy, I think you look at him strictly as a block specialist. Look at him on the same level as, say, Johnny Henson, who um, yeah, who is now the alleged starter in uh, in Milwaukee. Yeah, he might get 25 to 26 a night, Grant, but it, it doesn't mean that I need to own him in every league. As for Sabonis, he still played 23 minutes. He wasn't good. He had three points, and he was a fine 12-team ad, but I'm not sure how high his actual upside is. So consider him expendable if there's someone else out there that you want to uh, go and grab. Steve Adams hasn't really lit the world on fire. 4-11 and 11 for Adams in 29 minutes. Had some good games, but had some stinkers as well. A steal and a block. 
for him. And uh, Andre Robertson, after a big game in the last one, he was not good here. 29 minutes, 4 and 4. He's a, he's a borderline 12-team league player. On the Pearsons, big night from Toby Harris. 22 and 6, 2 triples, 1 steal, 2 blocks. I can't believe that the Magic gave him up for Ursan Ilyasova and Brandon Jennings. That is embarrassing. The Pistons were without Andre Drummond in this one who had an ankle issue. So Aaron Baines starts. And this, everybody, is what Aaron Baines does basically every time he's forced into action. He gets you a double-double, and he plays well. Now, he didn't quite get the double-double, but he had 20 points, 8 boards, and was efficient hitting all four of his free throws and 8 of 13. He is a very good backup center who Stan Van Gundy called a starting center. He said the only reason he's not a starter is because he's an all-star in front of him. Stan, the reason you said that is because you're not going to re-sign him at the end of the season. And you know he's going to demand big money and you're just throwing it out there saying, well, he's a starter. We have to let him go start somewhere else. You aren't, you aren't going to pony up the cash for him. But he's uh, he's always solid when he gets this opportunity. At, the, at this stage, he remains a deep league guy, but obviously had tremendous DFS value. The John Lua experience rolled on 29 minutes 8 9 and 4 with a block i don't i don't believe he's quite a 12 team league guy but he's not he's not far off it uh benno udry greatest here in the nba 10 points four rebounds four assists in 18 minutes for benno and ish smith had 11 6 and 3 with two steals and a block also reggie jackson he was dressed up in a bow tie he looked sensational he is also an unbelievably polished speaker he he sounds like a politician if you hear him speak. I wasn't I had my head down doing something else and looked like who the hell is that speaking? And it was Reggie Jackson resplendent in a colourful bow tie. I'm like this guy this guy sounds better than eighty percent of the of the local team announcers. He is he is as opposite of the stereotypical dumb jock that you could possibly get. He just sounds amazingly polished. And I reckon it's gonna be my life's mission to get him as a guest on this podcast. So anyone who knows Reggie Jackson, let me know. But he'll, he'll be back soon, so that's going to obviously drop Isha's value. But Isha's owned in only 39% of leagues. It feels a little bit low, even with the uh, the impending destruction of his value. 17-3-4 for Kentavious Caldwell-Pope as well. And Marcus Morris, his high value was fueled by unsustainable shooting, and it came apart. 3-12 of 12 here, 7-6-5 and five in 30 minutes. You can earn him, but don't expect it to to carry on. And in the end, he's he's not going to be a he's not going to be a must hold player. The Dallas Mavericks were once again without Dirk Nowitzki, Darren Williams, and Devin Harris in this one. Dirk was a a game time decision. He uh he had a, a fairly long warm up before the game, so he looks like he'll be back in the next one. The pencil Harrison Barnes. Let's get the pencil happening, guys. I want, I want the pencil to take off as a nickname. I want to listen to another podcast or read an article somewhere and someone refer to Harrison Barnes as the pencil. If any of you see it anywhere, let me know. Someone let me know that they saw Lord Alfred Payton reference somewhere. So I appreciate that. But if you ever see any of these weird ass Aussie type nicknames that I've thrown on to a person appear somewhere, can you please let me know? Um, I'm always interested to hear something carry on. So the pencil, how good is he? Uh, it's it's amazing, but it's not. Um he was very, it's very easy for him to be the butt of jokes. Oh, he missed every shot in the last three games of the finals. Yes, he didn't get off the bench for Team USA. Yes, he had a horrendous preseason. Yes. And then the game started and he was good. And he's better than good. He's keeping this team in contests. Now, he doesn't do much in the peripheral numbers. You know, stealing the block is okay, but he's scoring and he's doing it at a tremendous level. And 
he he slid at the end of draft season, and you got yourself a pretty good bargain. Wes Matthews continues not to be able to shoot just the eight points for Wes, but two threes and two steals sort of helps. And don't believe he's a must-own. Or Andy Bogut, just the 21 minutes for Bogues, uh, picked up three quick fouls at the start of the second half, and that limited his playing time. Just nine boards and one block. But if you own Andrew Bogut, you want nine boards. You want a block, and you want high field goal percentage, and that's what he delivered. He's averaging a, a terrible amount of points, but you know that's not what you want, got him for. J.J. Breyer is also a must-own, 17 points with four assists, and I believe that will continue even when Dirk returns. Maybe when Devin Harris returns as well, that might limit him somewhat, but I think you continue to own him. The Dwight Powell, Willie Wonty play well. Uh, this was a Wonty in this one, 6-4 and four in 18 minutes, and Justin Anderson was brutally bad. Zero from 11 from the field for zero points. Did have seven boards, did have a steal. He's going to be good, but that is not a uh, that is not a good performance from Justin. And Dorian Finney-Smith, Dodo, he started, played 21 minutes, 4-4-2 four, four, and two, and two steals. He's uh, a deep league special. Also, shout out to AJ Hammonds for punching Quincy Acey in the face and uh, and splitting him open. Teammates punched each other, punched him right in the face, going for a rebound and, uh, and cut him open at the end of that game. On to the Knicks. I touched on it before. They went to their small lineup their best lineup, and Joakim Noah sat. He played just the 15 minutes and had six boards and two assists. I don't believe that he is a must-own player. Justin Holiday came off the bench and did everything. 25 minutes, he moved into that three-guard position. Three-guard? Three-guard lineup. Yeah, him, him and Lee and Rose. 16-4-2, and two, two threes, two steals, one block. I wouldn't expect Justin Holiday to shoot six of seven again or just to be that fly-around defensive guy, but he's been a lot better than what I could have ever anticipated throughout his career. And the lineup proved that it worked. And that's really what they needed. They needed another wing to be able to get out there and do that. Now, Lance Thomas was out of the rotation, so that probably actually helped because he is not a good player either. And that enabled Holiday to get this extra run, but he looked good. For now, he's not a 12-team league guy because they're not going to go to this lineup as a permanent starting thing, or they're not going to use it long stretches unless it just continues to really work every single time. And given it's the Knicks... It's unlikely to work every single time, but he's just a name to watch. Mallow was, was all right, 24-7, three triples of steal and a block. Actually, that's better than all right. That's pretty good. And uh, Courtney Lee, just the seven in 32, not a 12-team league guy. Billy Hernan Gomez was the backup center of choice in this one, four and six in 13 minutes, while the Cock Monster had two points, two boards in just the three minutes. So as per usual, guessing who's going to be the backup center is a, a task in futility. It could be anybody. Also, shout out to Jeff Hornacek for playing Maurice Endur at the three. Endur struggles to be a power forward, let alone a small forward, and you're playing him at the three. That is a ludicrous lineup decision. The Boston Celtics and the New Orleans Pelicans. That is a stinker of a loss for Boston. Just some horrendous late-game execution. The Avery Bradley three was, what are you doing? The stolen inbound pass, the Kelly Olenek defense, just some horrible, horrible stuff. Now, Olenek did not get it going at all. One of eight shooting, but he played 35 minutes. Five points, eight boards, one three. The question is, is there, for Olenek, what happens when Al Horford returns, which is going to be sometime this week, it looks like. I do believe that Olenek is the best option, and I know that I've said that ad nauseum, and he's fine to own. Let's just you know, hold him, see what happens, and then if they decide that's not the way that they want to go, well, it's their loss, and then you move on to someone else. Amir Johnson played 27. He went 9, 5, and 4. While Isaiah Thomas dropped just 37 points. Three threes, seven assists, 
and a steal on 29 shot attempts. It didn't really kill your field goal percentage that much. What about Marcus Smart? It's really, it is happening for this guy. He was 6 of 12 from the field. He had 15 points, 6 boards, 3 assists, 4 steals, and 3 threes. He's owned in 67% of leagues. So the other 33% of you, what's going on? He needs to be owned. He is going to, I know he's playing extra minutes because Jay Crowder's out. But he's still going to play 30. He's very, very good. He's very good. Jalen Brown had a decent defensive night getting three steals. And the Avery Bradley rebounding machine continued. Another double-double, 19 and 10 for Bradley. Yeah, shattering career highs this season with his rebound and just keeps doing it. Not a good shooting night going 7 of 17, but 19 points and 10 boards with three triples is uh, is a pretty good night from uh, from Avery right there. The Pelicans. Anthony Davis. That is, it's another huge line from Davis. 25 and 16, four steals and two blocks. The percentage, not good, 7 of 22, but he's in trouble. He's uh, he's not right. He's holding his back. He, he said that whenever he goes to sit down, it feels stiff. It's not a good sign. Now, he's playing through it. So for all you dicks out there who say that he's soft, he, he's not. But the dude's hurt. I, I don't think it's a long-term thing. I think he might have to have a day off coming up. That that might happen. He might miss a game with a sore back, and it might continue to plague him. But it doesn't mean that I'm selling him off. I, I'm just loving what he's doing. Now, the other question we, we're going to get, well, there's lots of questions that we're getting today. What do we do with Terrence Jones? He played 30 off the bench and had 15 and 10 with a steal and two blocks. That is the Terrence Jones experience. 30 minutes, fantasy numbers come. But is he good enough to get 30 minutes? That is the big question. I don't know that he is. He's worth a flyer. Would I take Olenek or Terrence Jones first? I would take Olenek because I believe Olenek's a better player. And that's, that's really all there is to it. And they both have probably similar fantasy stat profiles. But that's a good that's a good game from Jones. In a 14-team league, yeah, sure. In a 12, maybe. If I've got DeMonta Sabonis, I'd probably drop Sabonis and grab Jones, assuming guys like Richardson or Kelly Olynyk aren't there. I would take Terrence Jones over, say, Bebe Noguera. But I don't have any faith in it. The Pelicans, those sneaky Pelicans, they are uh, a couple of things. This is the least honest franchise in the NBA. And you'd think with a team that is... Struggling on the court, struggling to get uh, media attention in their home city to get attendances up. You'd want to do everything you can to be friendly. But none of this Woj coming out, Drew Holiday's coming back Friday, Alvin Gentry, no, he's got no, we don't, we don't know about that. He's got no timetable. And then two days later, so yeah, he'll actually, he'll definitely be back this week. Like, no shit, Alvin. Nobody believes you. Nobody believes anything you and your team say. We don't trust any of it. You're not fooling anybody. Just stop with the bullshit. Just be honest. Drew is coming back. Drew is also coming back on a minutes limit. So beware of that. Just to get himself back into game shape. Now, it'll probably only take a week for him to get back into game shape, but it's not an automatic drop of Tim Frazier. We don't know what they'll do with Frazier. I can tell you one thing. Buddy Heald is not the answer. He got a start here. 21 minutes for Bud. 5, 2, and 3 because each one more. That's the other thing. He's one more, huh? He's, he's ready to go. Oh, actually, by the way, Buddy Hield's starting. Okay. Um, why? No, he's just starting. Okay. Uh, it, we're just going to start him and move each one more to the bench. That's weird. Don't really understand that. Oh, 20 minutes. Oh, by the way, each one more's got a sore toe. Okay, cool. Yeah, okay, I understand moving Buddy Hield into the starting lineup. Uh, 10 minutes later, uh, each one more's going to be limited to 20 to 25 minutes. 
okay, this makes more sense at Buddy Hill starting. Yep, limited, whatever. And 10 minutes later, I actually, actually, Etuan Moore's not playing at all. Like, get your shit together, Pelicans. Who, who, are you, who are you fooling? I'm sure all this trickery got you this big win against Boston. Like, get over yourselves. The best franchise in the NBA, the San Antonio Spurs, over a long period of time. If Tony Parker's sitting out, Pop will tell you two days in advance. Yeah, Tony's not playing to two days' time. How much does it affect them? The answer's not at all. All this smoke and mirrors bullshit, and this is not just coming from a fantasy point of view, like you're just dicking your fans around. Give them the full story. Anyway, oh, each one more. I, I still believe that he's a, he's a 12-team league guy. Not many people agree with me there because he's only 22% owned. He's not a, a high-priority target, but he does have value there. Uh, Timmy Frazier had 10, 3, and 6, including a couple of key plays late, got the winning free throws, got a winning steal. And I think there will be situations where where Drew plays at the two and Frazier and, and Holiday will share the court because, as I said, Bud is not getting it done. Each one more is okay and he provides some defense, but you know, a Frazier-Holiday combo might be better than a Holiday-Moore combo and it's going to be better than a Holiday-Heeled combo. So don't be selling all of your Tim Frazier stock now, unless it's at a significant upgrade. I wouldn't be doing, okay, let's drop Tim Frazier to grab DeMontis Sabonis. I don't really see the point in something like that. Solomon Hill played 32 off the bench, 9-7, and seven, and Lang Galloway had his best game of the year. 21 points, 3 triples, 3 assists, 2 steals. He's looking more comfortable in the last couple of games, but I'm not sure how much we really rely upon that. He's, he's probably more a 16 to 18 team league guy. Omar Ashik and Alexia Jinsa, they combined for 18 minutes as we saw more Davis at the five and, and Terrence Jones playing the four. Philadelphia and Houston, the process, Joel Embiid, foul trouble limited him. He couldn't even get to his minutes limit of 24, played just 23, but had 13 and 10 a steal and two blocks. Just keeps getting it done in, uh, in whatever minutes he's put out there. Gerald Henderson, solid numbers, 11 points for, in 28 minutes for Gerald. Three assists, three steals, one block. Nice numbers, but I don't think you should be interested. But he's only owned in 4% of leagues. So that means people in 14 team leagues, I reckon, are sleeping a little bit on Gerald. Dario Saric played 24. He had 11 and 6. Or Ursan played 22 and had 13 and 6. And I think this is going to be the case for these two guys. Until Ben Simmons comes back and hurts both of them, they're probably more 14 team league guys than they are 12 team leagues. Sergio Rodriguez, Spanish chocolate. His offense has dropped, but still got you six assists, only two points but a steal and a block, some decent numbers there. And Bob Cove had very, very early foul trouble, and that's why he played 14 minutes. Had seven points, so he took seven shots and had seven points in his 14 minutes. Not good shooting, but the numbers were starting to come, but you don't love 14 minutes. And you know who was terrible? Jolly Lokafor. And I'm getting to think that maybe he's just actually not ever going to be good. I know it's a bit unfair 10 games into his second season, but he just looks bad. He got his shot blocked. When I saw him at Summer League, he just continued to get his shot blocked. I mean, what is going on with this guy? Why can he just not jump? Why does he have no burst? Why can he not hit any sort of shot outside of the paint? He was getting blocked continuously. Well, it's it's still a problem. He just he just has no burst, no nothing. And for a guy that's only skill is offensive, you probably want to not continually get your shot blocked. Four and three on two of 11 shooting. He did have two blocks of his own, but he is, he is barely... Barely a 12-team league guy, in my opinion. And I reckon you know, when Nerlens comes back, he should take his minutes. And Rashawn Holmes is almost a better option than Jolly Lokafor at this point. Hot take time. The Houston Rockets. 
Jim Harden, he was on fire. I think at 24 in the first quarter. Only needed to play 33 minutes. Looking for that triple-double. Didn't quite get there. 33-7-9. Four triples, one steal, one block. Ridiculous 12-20 of 20 shooting. He's been amazeballs. Not much more to say. And Trevor Ariza really cranking it up at the moment. Another five triples for 17 points. Eight boards, three steals, and one block. He does always do well against Philadelphia. And he did it again. Hopefully these last couple of games have convinced not only you, but Mike D'Antoni that Clint Capella is the man for this team at center. 26 minutes for Capella, 8 points, 13 boards, 5 blocks. Nene, there's no point. Montrez Harrell is nothing. Capella is the man. He, those minutes need to keep working up, and they are. So credit to D'Antoni for those minutes continuing to rise. But he's looking good. And the other thing that's happening is he's hitting free throws. He's not hitting them at a fantastic rate. But he is hitting them. He was two of three here. Does it mean that you're in a non-punt situation that you want to own, Clint? Probably not. But his first season in the D-League, he converted his free throws at over 65%. He gets to the NBA, and it's all in his head. And you hear that for a lot of players, but it is clearly all in his head. Because he can hit free throws. And he has proven it for an entire season at a lower level. But he comes out there and shits himself. So maybe in his third season, which is really his second season because he played about five games in his rookie year, maybe he comes out there and he's comfortable and he's going, oh, I belong. I can I can play. I'm dominating these guys. Shit, let's, the free throws are going to fall. Maybe that happens. And if he starts hitting free throws at even 70%, I reckon you want to own him everywhere, regardless of your punt strategy. Eric Gordon moved back into the starting lineup because Corey Brewer is dreadful. 16 points and 4 triples for Gordon. Yes, Patrick Beverly will likely be back for the next game, but I don't think that really impacts Gordon. And some people are asking, how does it impact Harden? The answer is it does not. It does not affect Jim Harden whatsoever with Patrick Beverly coming back. What it does is it moves Tyler Ennis out of the rotation completely, Bobby Brown doesn't get any play, and Corey Brewer barely plays as well. You have three guards who play most of the time, and you might even get some KJ McDaniels in there. Brewer... And Ennis are going to be the guys that, that lose out most to Beverly. Is Beverly a 12-team league guy when he comes back? Probably not. He'll be a guy that you can just stream on and off. To get, when he gets hot, hit some threes, get some steals. But he's not doing anything too exciting. Uh, Ryan Anderson was yuck. Seven points on 11 shots, three of 11. He did have the seven boards, so that helps. But as usual, not much else in the other categories for Ryan Anderson. And he has been a very, very expensive $20 million player. The Miami Heat and the San Antonio Spurs, the Heat are terrible. They're going to get themselves a pretty high draft pick. Um, interesting to see how that how that all works out. Hassan Whiteside's gone big again. 9 of 11 for 23 points, 17 boards, 2 steals, and 2 blocks. Big, big numbers for him. Joshy Richardson, just the 28 minutes, had 8 points. And the 4 assists is really what I'm interested in there, him playing that that point guard role and getting those assists, which is going to bring his value you know, close to, to or could push it into that top 100 zone. Justice Winslow, the shot didn't fall. 3 of 12. His shooting has been abominable recently, but his assist rate is well up. His steal rate is up. You know, 5 assists here, 2 steals, 3 boards. The shooting is killing you. So you need to be aware of what your field goal percentage is like and how your scoring is, but he might be available, and he's showing things that I didn't necessarily know he could do. We saw Luke Babbitt demoted, and Derek Williams got the start, but Williams played just 16 minutes. Once again, when the questions come, Derek Williams is starting, should I grab him? Not when he's scoring five points in 16 minutes. It doesn't really mean anything. The, the players who are going to play are Dragic, Richardson, Johnson, James, 
No, not James. Try that again. Dragic, Richardson, Tyler Johnson, Justice Windsor, Hassan Whiteside. They're the five big minute guys. And then you'll get James Johnson, you'll get Derek Williams playing some minutes, but not enough to have a 12-team impact. James Johnson actually was decent. This is you know, Toronto, peak Toronto, Memphis James Johnson. One steal and two blocks, seven points and five rebounds. Um, that's that's valuable in, say, a 16 format, but he's not owned in really any league. So you need to you do need to have a look at him in those deeper formats. And Lukey Babbitt went down to eight minutes and put up an eight trillion. So congratulations to Luke Babbitt. Willie Reed completely out of the rotation as well, being replaced by Josh McRoberts. On to the Spurs, 24-12-4 for Kawhi, and LaMarcus Aldridge was on fire, had 18 points in the first half, and finished with 18. So not a good second half for Aldridge, but good for him to get that percentage up, I guess. 18-3-2 is a decent night. Tone Parker had 11-3-6, and that's fine, but I don't trust that going forward. And Paddy Mills went 10-3-3 in his 24 minutes. Uh, Dan Green, only the 15 minutes for Danny Green, 3 points, a block, a 3 and the reason he played 15 minutes is he copped one right in the nuts and was unable to play the second half. He thinks he'll be fine. The Spurs are classifying it as a groin injury, but literally just good, just uh, just a whack in the cods. And he'll be uh, he should be right to go. We saw Kyle Anderson re-enter the rotation and do nothing, and John Simmons started the second half. And even if Green had to miss, I don't think you'd be running out to grab Simmons or Anderson based on what we saw here or what we saw to start the season. Pau Gasol, another 31-minute performance. So that's three in a row for 30 minutes. 12-8 and eight with a steal and a block is not as big as the other games, but those fears we had early on seem to be you know, dissipating. And that's uh, that's great if you own Pau Gasol. The Memphis Grizzlies and the Utah Jazz, one of the weirder games. We had Mike Conley just perpetually listed as questionable but continues to play and play well. 18-3-7 with a steal. Um, we had... Wade Baldwin, who was a healthy scratch. We had Tone Allen out of this one, and Chandler Parsons was listed as questionable, and he played the 23 minutes. Keep going on the low ball trades for Chandler. 23 minutes for him, 9-4. and four. Hasn't got it going at all as a Grizzlies player, but he will. It'll come. Don't don't worry. Marcus Sol, three-point shooting. Marcus Sol hit another two. He was 22-5 and five and actually had a good field goal percentage for the first time in a while, too. And Zebo. He just he's racking up numbers in limited minutes. Only the 23, but had 18 and 10. And no other numbers. He's a, a fringe 12-team league guy. But what about Vince Carter? The guy's 40 years old. He played 31 minutes. He had 20 and 7, 3 threes, 2 assists, and a steal. Not much attention's going to, but he has been absolutely brilliant for this team this season. And I reckon in a 16-team league, you have to own him. And even in a 14-team league. When Tony Allen returns, it's going to cut into what Carter can do. But he has been uh, really brilliant for what they've been able to do. Deontay Davis... In a dynasty league, you need to get your hands on this guy. He is going to be good. He's shown some really, really good flashes to me. He had 13 minutes. He had two and three, and that's not exciting. But I think he's, you know, I think he's the future for this team at Power Forward. It's not Jermichael Green who went eight and six in 27 minutes and is a borderline 12 team guy. Probably not a well, not a must own guy at all. The future is going to be Deontay Davis, and what we've seen from him so far has been encouraging from a real life point of view and from a fantasy point of view. As we all predicted for the Utah Jazz, Joe Ingles was the leading scorer with 20 points in 33 minutes. He had four triples, four rebounds, and a steal in a huge performance, replacing Rod Hood. Uh, yeah, that's fine. He'll go back to a minimal role once everyone's returned. There was no George Hill. There was no Rod Hood in this one. Uh, Derek Favors was questionable coming in. He played. He lasted 21 minutes, and Tony Jones of the Salt Lake uh, Tribune speculated that they might shut 
favours down for a couple of weeks to get this knee soreness fixed. So brace yourself for that. It hasn't happened yet, but it is something that could happen. In his absence, this is the Trey Lyles that I know of, that I know that can become a good player, but hasn't shown it so far this season. 32 minutes for Lyles, 18-5-2 with two steals and a three. Now, previously when Favors was out, we had Boris Diaw starting. I don't know why, because Diaw wasn't doing anything positive whatsoever, but Lyles was also struggling. Does this mean that if Favors has to miss time, that Lyles becomes a must-own player? I think must-own is probably a strong word. It depends on who you've got. If you've got Kelly Olenek, I'll keep Kelly. If you've got DeMontis Sabonis, I'll take Lyles. If you're considering Jeremy Grant or Trey Lyles, I will take Lyles. And if you're talking Trey Lyles or Terrence Jones, on principle, I'll take Trey Lyles. But it's far from a sure thing. This is a good night from him. He's a scorer. He can shoot. His defense is a problem. His rebounding is a problem as well. And that might limit what he can do. But it was a good performance from Lyles. The top three scorers on the Utah Jazz, probably ind- indicative of why they lost, were Joe Ingles, Trey Lyles, and Shelvin Mack. Mack had 17, 3, and 4, but he's obviously just a deeper league guy. Well, Dante Exum played 30 minutes and went 9, 3, and 2. He just doesn't appear to really be a stat stuffer at this point in his career. Rudy Gobert, foul trouble limited him. 22 minutes, 6, and 5 with a steal and a block. And Gordy Haywood hurt his broken finger. Had it retaped, he was fine to go. His shot didn't fall. After a red-hot start, he was 4 of 14 for 13, 4, and 3. But it's, it's it's bloody tough to complain after the start he had. Interesting, no George Hill, no Rod Hood, and Joe Johnson played 15 minutes. This should be all the sign that you need to know that A, Joe Johnson is not taking Rod Hood's minutes, and B, Joe Johnson is no longer a shooting guard. He is a 3, and he is a 4. And that is really where Joe Johnson sits. Not uh, Not a good night from Joe. This last game, the Brooklyn Nets and the Los Angeles Clippers, oh, Jesus, it was a massacre immediately. Uh, Boyan Bogdanovich chimed in with 18 points in 25 minutes, so that means he'll probably have about three turds in a row. And we had Chris McCullough, and I, I believe in McCullough. The Nets haven't until this game, but this was a big one. 12 minutes for McCullough, 13 and 3, one triple and two blocks. Trevor Book is going to have that job on lockdown, but McCullough is the guy for the future. So I think that he replaces Luis Scholar at some point when we head into the new year. Now, the Nets did some uh, some mucking around as well with the lineups. Isaiah Whitehead, no, he's ready to go. Ah, oh, cool. That's great. Cool. Let's get him in. Let's put him in our DFS lineup. Um, halfway through the day, uh, not even halfway through the day, halfway through the day's games, uh, we're going to start Sean Kilpatrick. Um, Whitehead... Yeah, he'll he'll be in uniform, but we um we we don't know if we'll use him. Thanks. He didn't play at all. So we had Sean Kilpatrick starting and playing just the eighteen minutes, fourteen, five and one. Yogi Ferrell played twenty six minutes and had thirteen points and five assists, but there's no reason to add Ferrell outside of a twenty or thirty team league. And Kilpatrick just is that twelve team league guy. Ronde played just twenty one minutes, eight and two. There was no Brook Lopez, no Jeremy Lin. The minutes were spread all over the place. Let's move on. On to the Clippers. Blake Griffin, 26 and 6, two steals in 25 minutes. Brilliant. JJ Riddick really turning it up as well. 18, 2 and 4 with two steals and two threes. I don't know how much he can keep this sort of level of production up, but while he's doing it, he's definitely ownable. And then it was just, it was such a blowout again. We had Diamond Stone play eight minutes, and that's probably all you need to know. We also had another, it's consecutive, double-digit scoring games from Luke Marmute. 11 points in 24 minutes for Luke, hitting all five of his shots. Surely this is just an aberration, and it won't continue. And Fatface Ray Felton dropped in 11 points in his 22 minutes. 
That's it. That is Monday's action done. I'm going to take a quick break, and then we're going to be back to preview the five games for Tuesday from a DFS point of view. Napa know-how. It takes a lot to get excited about a bag, but most bags can't save you 20% on auto parts. That's 20% off headlamps, 20% off oil filters, 20% off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99-cent Napa reusable bag. So tell your buddies, there's a bag they just have to check out. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 10 17 Let's look at the perfect DFS lineups from Monday to start things off. On FanDuel, Isaiah Thomas at 52.1 and Chrissy Paul at 48.3. Shooting guards, Jim Harden, 53.9 and Dion Waiters at 39.9. Small forwards, Trev Ariza, 39.1 and Joey Ingles at 29.8. Power forwards, Toby Harris, 39.7 and Trey Lyles at 30. And the center, Hassan Whiteside at 48.9 for a total of 381.7. On DraftKings, Russ had 61.75, Waiters had 43.5, Toby had 41, Terence Jones had 36.5, Whiteside had 53.25, Isaiah Thomas went for 54.25, Ariza at 42, Ingles at 32, and that gave you 364.25 points. Let's look and try and get you guys to uh, get some winning lives, and again, I know some listeners to this podcast got some big big wins again today, so congratulations and send them through to me. You can DM them to me on Twitter if you don't want people to see them, but uh, congratulations to the people who got those big uh, big wins happening again. The first one, Toronto at Cleveland, as I mentioned. The Cavs are favored by 6.5, and, and we've got a decent size total, 210. The injury we're waiting to see here is J.R. Smith, who missed the last game with an ankle problem. Damari Carroll also missed the last one for Toronto due to rest, and also because he's crap, um, but he likely will be back, and that'll limit any normie power value that that he may or that he did have in the last game. The point guards, two two decent point guard options here. I like Kyrie at seven thousand four hundred. He feels you know, thirty five points is right where he needs to be. I don't think he plays just the twenty seven minutes like he did in the last one. As for Kyle Lowry, he's up to eight thousand now. It is a good matchup, and he has done well against Cleveland. But it is, a, it is a little bit tough for him to get $8,000. I think he's a nice tournament pivot guy if guys are going to be jumping all over Irving at that cheaper price. We're not looking at a guy like Corey Joseph here. Shooting guard, J.R. Smith at 4300 If he plays, I actually think he's not a bad guy in both tournaments and cash, and that's very rare for me to say that about J.R. Smith. Iman Shumpert at 3900 
has a little bit of extra value if Smith sits, but he's not a bad tournament guy just to get that 20 points. He's doing a lot more than what he has previously. DeMar Rosen, it's getting tough to use him. He's at 9,200, so the salary keeps creeping up. Yeah, he's averaging 49 across the last three. That's great. He's got a terrible history against Cleveland. I think that he is a fade. He can't continue to shoot 50% and have 35 points. And if it's gonna if it's gonna drop, it's probably gonna be here. I think that he is a fade option. As for Powell, he did have 30 in that last game. He's at four thousand dollars. If we hear that Carroll's not playing or they're starting Powell again, at four thousand, I think you, you take a punt on him because he is very good. At small forward, LeBron, LeBron or James, nine thousand nine hundred. He's he's pretty safe to lock in and, and get forty-five plus points, fifty points on most nights for LeBron. As for Damari Carroll, we're not uh, we're not messing with that. And Terrence Ross at minimum salary is minimum for a reason. At power forward, Kevin Love, seventy five hundred. I like it. Uh, Thirty five points is is basically what he's doing every single game. Even in the last one where he played just twenty six minutes, he had thirty seven points. He's done well against Toronto. This is a good opportunity to use him. And Channing Fry at thirty nine hundred, he's averaging nineteen across the last five. And at thirty nine hundred, I reckon you take that. He's not a, a high priority guy. I'm not sure how high his ownership will be, and maybe they run with him a little bit. Maybe he hits some threes. He's an interesting guy to, to pay attention to. Pat Pat at four thousand. Eh, I'm not. I'm just not keen there, and neither am I. Nor am I keen with Pascal Siakam at center. Tristan Thompson, forty six hundred. Had a nice twenty four pointer in the last one. Been a little bit down lately. Um, he's he's okay to use though. He's not he's not exciting. Jonas Valanciunas at fifty eight hundred. I'm not interested in using him against Cleveland and Bebe Nogueira. 4,600, so the salary has risen dramatically, probably because he's averaging 29 points across the last three games and had 36 in the last one. It's going to be extraordinarily tough to consider using him, and it would only be in a tournament, and that's if you think they're going to continue to close games with him and limit Valanciunas to low 20s. I just don't think that's going to happen, so Bebe is probably bye-bye for me. That was a horrible pun. I apologize for that. The Atlanta Hawks and the Miami Heat... The Hawks are favored by 6.5, and, and the total is 199.5. Goran Dragic is questionable with an ankle. I don't think that he plays. And Timmy Hardaway's got a hip issue. He is listed as questionable as well. Obviously, the big issue is going to be in Miami. If Dragic doesn't happen to play, the value does uh, does change around for a lot of those guys there. And, and we do look at Tyler Johnson. Even if Dragic does play, I think Johnson at 4,900 is a decent guy to look at. But if... Uh, if Dragic is out, Johnson had 32 today, and at 4,900, I think he's a pretty decent guy to look at. As for Dennis Schroeder on the other side, 6,100. I don't really think there's much tournament upside there with him, but if Dragic is out, I think in, in cash that he is fine, and you should feel relatively confident about getting 30 points out of Dennis Schroeder. For the shooting guards, Joshy Richardson's at 4,000. I think that's a good spot to use him in. It wasn't quite that great today, 14 points, but I think he can be better because we won't be having a Dion Waiters career-type performance. Kyle Corver at 36 and Dion Waiters at 43. I don't really see a rationale for Dion Waiters doing that again, and Corver is, is really tough to roster. Justice Winzo's at 5,000. Bit of a downer today, but he has been putting in some pretty solid performances. He's okay to use without being spectacularly good. And Kent Bazemore at 4,800. That salary is pretty good for Bazemore. I think that I, I can get behind using Bazemore, although the Winslow defense is is a marginal concern. But I think he's fine to use. 4,600 for Tabo Cephalosha is just too high. I'm sorry, I, I cannot get behind that at all. At Power Forward, Paulie Millsap has been struggling. He's at 7,400, so the salary is dropping. 
but he is only giving you 31 points over the last five and just 26 over the last three, including a 13-point stinker in the last game. The Heat have had a real issue. No, they haven't. They've been Other teams have had a real issue playing the Heat and limiting their power forward, so not sure that Millsap is going to be a, a very wise investment. Mike Muscala, if he was at minimum salary, I'd love it. At 4000 I reckon we can do better. And Derek Williams, he started, he put up seven points. Such is life, 3600 tournament punt only. At center, Hassan Whiteside's at 8,500. I think that's fine. I think that 8,500, 40 plus points, you can almost write it in and, and be pretty happy with that. Whereas you've got to pay 7,900 for Dwight, and I don't feel anywhere near as confident about using Howard in this situation against Whiteside. I think some foul trouble might, uh, might strike him down, unfortunately. The next game is the Charlotte Hornets and the Minnesota Timberwolves. We've got a lot of injury concerns in this one for the Wolves. Uh, Zach Levine, Brandon Rush, Shabazz Muhammad, all of their wings are all questionable again after missing Sunday's game. So keep an eye on that. That obviously increases the likelihood of us using Nemanja Bielitsa or Andy Wiggins, who put up monsters in the last time that, uh, that those three players sat. The Hornets are favored by two, and the total is 206.5 points at point guard. Ravishing Rick Rubio at 6,300. I think... I just love this music. I think we have to look at using Rubio. He's probably more of a tournament guy to have a look at, but I feel pretty confident that he's going to get you 30 points. So it's a good matchup. Kemba's defense hasn't been ideal against point guards. So Rubio at 6,300, I think he's a fine guy, but probably not for cash. As for Kemba, he's up to 8,300. You know, you'd much rather, or I would much rather take Kyrie at 7,400 than spend almost 1,000 more on Kemba, who's been putting up good numbers. Yes, but the Rubio defense is a bit of a concern. And just consistently getting 42, 43 points is not an easy thing to do. Ramon Sessions, Chris Dunn, Tyus Jones, none of those guys should really be uh, floating your boat. At shooting guard, Zach Levine at 6,200. Well, we don't know if he's going to play. If he played, I don't think he's a bad option, but we just don't know that yet. Nick Batum at 65, I like that. He's been putting up good numbers, and if there is no Levine, it's going to work even better in Batum's favor. The small forwards, Mick, Kid Gilchrist, 5,400. I think he's a, a really decent play here. I don't think Wiggins is going to be able to keep him off. I know that Wiggins is not going to be able to keep him off the board, so he could be looking at a double-digit rebounding type game, um, and hopefully the defensive numbers keep coming as they have been doing. So I like Kid Gilchrist at his $5,400 price tag. Wiggins dropped 56 in that game against the Lakers when everyone was out, so his salary is now 6,900, and that's fine if these players are out. If they are in... It's a stay away. If they are out, I'm uh, I'm all for it. Bielitsa at 4,000. I reckon if even two of them are out, you have to throw Bielitsa in at 4,000. If they all play, it's going to be tough to use him. But uh, so if two of them miss, say Muhammad and Levine are out, then definitely I can see uh, I can see Bielitsa having value at that $4,000 price tag. Uh, Shabazz, you'd want to consider him. Say Rush and Levine are out then they might start Muhammad, and he might get 26 minutes, and at minimum salary, he can give you 20, he can give you 30, uh, and, and that could work. So he's a name to keep an eye on as well. The other power forwards, Marvin Williams is at 5,000. I love Marvin Williams at that price. Really more cash than tournament, but I think 26 points is almost a lock for Marvin Williams, and that's value. Frank Kaminsky at uh, 3,800. 
Not really. At center, Cody Zeller, the projections really, really like him considering his salary's dropped by 800 bucks, but he's really more of a tournament play to me. How are they going to manage the minutes between him and Hawes and Hibbert? Zeller's the best player, but we don't know exactly what they're going to do there. So it is a risky play, and it's a tournament play only for me. Um, Carl Anthony Towns at 8,400 is pretty rock solid. I think it's, it's him or Whiteside you want to spend up at center. I would probably take Towns over him marginally, but you could... Uh, you could look at it either way. The Hornets have been giving some good numbers against centers, and Towns has done well in his previous matchups against Charlotte. The next game up is the Chicago Bulls and the Portland Trailblazers. My Bulls taking on Portland. They're starting their circus road trip. The Blazers are favored by 3.5. The total is 213.5. Doug McDermott is out with a concussion, and Rajon Rondo and Isaiah Cannon are both listed as probable. We can only hope that Rondo doesn't play. That would be a mess anyway in that backcourt. Let's look at the point guards in this one. Rondo at 5,500. I don't think you can have any trust in him, even finishing the game out or putting up enough value. In a tournament, if you've got some big balls, maybe, but I, I don't really think that that's going to be the way to go. As for Lillard, well, he gets to take on Rajon Rondo. So at 9,500, I'll have, I'll have Lillard. I'll, I will take that price, and I will think that he can drop 50 because there is not a worse defender at point guard than Rajon Rondo. And if he's out, then maybe Isaiah Cannon starts, and actually he is worse at defense than what Rondo is. As for Cannon, he's at minimum salary, so if he does have to get a start, you would punt him in a tournament, definitely. You would have a look at it, and you would say, you know what, maybe I can work a lineup around that and hope he gives me 20 because he can do that. And Jaron Grant will also get a bit of a boost with McDermott missing, but I don't think he's going to be really worth uh, having a look at. At shooting guard, Alan Crabb, 3,700. Tournaments only, and even then it's a stretch. Dwayne Wade at 6,400. Um, I just think that's a little bit too high for Wade. CJ McCollum's at 74. That's a little bit high as well, but I think that there, you can use CJ, not necessarily the best option. I'd rather be spending up on Lillard and, say, a Towns at Whiteside than spending 74 on McCollum. For the small forwards, love Mo Harkless at 4,600 uh, with Al Farouk Amino out. He's established himself as that starting three who can play some four, and the numbers are coming yeah, pretty thick and fast, about 25 a night for him, and at 4,600, you uh, you'll take that every day of the week. Evan Turner had a breakout in the last one. Not sure we can trust that just yet, but if there's ever a team that a non-offensive, non-shooting wing is going to put up big numbers, it is going to be this one. You can talk to Mr. Cephalosha. You can talk to Mr. Winslow. Players with no offense can put up offensive games. And that is what oh, Evan Turner's game has been offensive so far, but maybe it's actually going to be offensive in this one. So he is a tournament play at 4,000 and coming off a really strong performance. I don't have faith in it, but if the narrative of shitty wing players getting up big numbers holds true, Evan's in, or maybe that's Crab, the player who does nothing, who can come in and, and turn into a big one. So consider, consider both of those guys, actually. Jim Butler is tearing it up. He's at 8,600, so the salary is pretty high, but he's averaging 54 across the last three. I think that it's not a bad one to look at. Again, I'd rather spend it on Lillard or one of the big men, but Butler, I feel like he's almost a lock for 40 at this point, but I still do have my concerns that Rondo's going to stuff something up or Wade's going to have a have a big night, but Butler's been carrying things over the last couple of games. And I think we might get a little bit of Paul Zipser. I don't think that's going to really impact DFS, but I just wanted to mention Paul Zipser. At 3,600 and power forward, Myers Leonard, he started the last two and he's put up okay numbers and he can get to 20 and at 3600 I think that you should consider Myers Leonard especially in a matchup that does favor power forwards on the flip side Nick Miritich 
He's done well previously against Portland, averaging over 30 in the last three times he's met in uh, in 28 minutes. He dropped 40 in the last game that he played. He's only averaging 20 points across the last three, but his price is down to 4,300. Hard to rely on, almost impossible in cash, but in a tournament, not many guys at 4,300 that you know. Look, anyone can have 40 points, but not many guys when you go, it is easy for me to see how Nick Miritich can have 40, and that's why I think he's a good tournament play. Taj is at 55. His production's been a little bit low lately. Uh, I probably avoid him here. Uh, Eddie Davis, Bobby Portis, Jakey Lehman, Noel Von Lee. I don't think we really want to consider any of those guys. I like both centers. I like Mason Plumlee at 5,100, who feels just rock solid, steady. He's going to get you 26 points. And Rob Lopez at 4,400. Well, he's definitely back in Fred Hoiberg's good books. He's getting 30 minutes a night, and he's not doing much stat-wise, but 23.5 points at 4,400. I'm I'm okay with that. And if you want to go cheap there and maybe go with a Lillard-Butler combo and not go big at center, then either Lopez or Plumlee are guys that you do have to look at because I think they're two of the better guys in that lowish price range that are on the board on uh, on Tuesday. The last game of the night is the Brooklyn Nets. They uh, were looking to bounce back. They take on the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers are favored by seven, and the total is 220, the highest total on the board. Brooke Lopez is likely back after missing the first game, and we don't know what the status is for Isaiah Whitehead at this point. Really tough to use a lot of these Lakers guys like D'Angelo Russell, and it's a really good matchup against the Nets, but how much does he play? Does Walton play him 25 or 29 minutes? In a tournament at 5,800, sure, but that's really, really about it. Isaiah Whitehead at 45, well, we'd want to be absolutely locked in, guaranteed that he's playing, and that makes him a tough guy to use at 4,500. And if he's out, then Yogi Ferrell will play, but that really shouldn't be uh, impacting our DFS decisions. I like Lou Williams at 5,200. At some point, his shooting is going to drop off, but his lowest score in his last five is 26 points. And at 5,200, as a minimum, you will absolutely take that every day of the week. It's a great matchup. Lou Williams is not needing big minutes to do it. I think you, I think you love him at that price. Jordy Clarkson's down to 49, so the price is coming cheaper. But the numbers aren't, aren't quite there. It is a good matchup, but he's strictly a tournament guy to me. Shawnee Kilpatrick at 5,500. That feels a little bit too highly priced. Uncle P at 4,200. Nah, Joe Harris, Randy Foy. We don't care about them. Brandon Ingram is at minimum salary. He's getting you just these 16 points basically every night. And at 3,500, it's not quite where it needs to be, but it's not far off. In a tournament, if you're looking to use your gut and you think, you're taking on the Nets, maybe Ingram has a breakout. This is the one. This is the one I think that you use him in. Boyan Bogdanovich is strictly a tournament guy. That is it. And Rondé Hollis-Jefferson at 4,300. He's he's probably just a tournament guy as well. But despite today's stinker, you know, matchup blowout-based issue, I think that he's been, he's giving you 25, 26 points a night, and you're doing it consistently over these last couple. Luol Deng is done, and that's it. Power forwards. Larry Nance at 3,800, not really getting it done. The minutes have been really low 20s, not that mid-20s like we hope, so that's hard to rely upon him at this point. Uh, Trev Booker had a stinker, but at 5,600, he's a decent play, so I don't mind using Booker. And Julius Randle at 6,400 still has the issues with the minutes. At 6,400, it just feels a little bit too high. At center, Tim Mozgov, 36, the salary. We're almost at minimum salary here for Mozgov, but I, I don't really believe in, in using him. Brookie Lopez at 68, well, he's fresh. We know that. He should be able to get close to 30 minutes. He's done very well against the Lakers in the past. I like him as a tournament pivot, uh, but that's really about it. And we probably shouldn't entertain any thoughts of Tariq Black or Justin Hamilton at this point. 
Okay, that is it for today's show. But before we go, let's look at the DFS picks of the day. On Fangio, Tyler Johnson, 49. Rick Rubio, 63. Dame Lillard, 95. Shooting guard, Joshy Richardson, 4,000. And Lee Williams, 52. For the small forwards, Mo Harkless, 46. Mick Kit Gilchrist, 54. And LeBron at 9,900. For the power forwards, Nick Miritich, 43. Marvin Williams, 5,000. Centers, Rob Lopez, 44. Mason Plumley 51. And Carl Anthony Towns, 8,400. Over on DraftKings, we've got Shumpert at 39, Rubio at 57, and Lillard at 93. For the shooting guards, Bogdanovich at 42 in a tournament. Batum at 68, and Butler at 8,000. Much more appealing on DraftKings. At small forward, Rondé Hollis-Jefferson at 45 in a tournament. Mo Harkless, 52, and LeBron at 10,300. For the power forwards, Myers Leonard, 36 in a tournament. Love at 78. And the centers, Robin Lopez, 46. Mason Plumley 53. And Carl Anthony Towns, 8,200. We are done today, guys. I'm going to be guest appearing on a couple of other shows in the next 12 to 24 hours. I'll be on the uh, Hoopball podcast coming up, and I'll be on the the rotation on the Fantasy Sports Network coming up as well. So if you're listening to any of those, you'll probably hear me ramble on again. Make sure, if you can, check out our sponsor, Athletes Collective, athletescollective.com, and use the promo code FANTASY for 15% off your first order. It helps you. You get great stuff at a cheap price, and then get 15% off, and with free delivery, and you help the podcast as well by using that promo code. So check out Athletes Collective. Subscribe on iTunes. Leave a review if you like what you hear. Subscribe on YouTube. Give me a thumbs up. Tell your friends. Share it. All that great stuff. And of course, Basketball Monster. We have a DFS article that goes out five times a day from Greg Ehrenberg. I do a daily recap article every day. There's the comments section. There's the forums. There's the projections, the trade analyzers, the smart tool. All that stuff on Basketball Monster. Trust me, you are getting your money's worth if you are a member over there. We are done. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya. Avery Bradley. Is that the new iPhone? Yeah, got it on T-Mobile. Fastest iPhone deserves America's fastest LTE network. Introducing the amazing iPhone 8. It's the best iPhone yet, now on America's best unlimited network. For a limited time, save up to $300 on the amazing iPhone 8 after 24 monthly bill credits. And now join T-Mobile's iPhone upgrade program for free. Eligible trade-in and finance agreement required. If you cancel service, you may lose promo credits. Contact us for details. Video at 480p. Small fraction of users over 50 gigs per month may have reduced speed. See store for details.